Welcome to Cloud Native Startup, where we explore what it takes to build a company in the open source cloud native ecosystem. I'm Emily O'Meara, your host. Welcome to Cloud Native Startup. I'm Emily O'Meara, your host. And today I'm chatting with Diraj Sharan, who is the CEO and founder of Query AI. Diraj, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Emily. Happy to be here. So I wanted to have you start with telling me a little bit about how Query AI came into being. Where did the idea come from? What moment did you think, oh, this is this is a company that I'm ready to pursue? Yeah, well, actually, I have been in the cybersecurity industry over 20 years. So I think a lot of things happen over time with tribal knowledge. Nothing suddenly happens in one day. So what I was seeing over those years is that the traditional way we had been looking at cybersecurity, that the traditional way was that uh, to analyze any data to monitor uh, alerts, you have to put all the data into a centralized data lake, whether it's with a call it SIM or uh, any other data uh, centralization product. And I was seeing that, you know, uh, the world is changing very swiftly and it's going to change even more with cloud, uh, adoption of cloud, and not just one cloud, but this multi-cloud environment that uh, everybody is using multiple vendors for the infrastructure. And I was also seeing that SaaS apps are also becoming very successful and uh, most companies are now relying on SaaS apps. So really data is greatly getting distributed across tens and uh, maybe 50 different environments versus uh, having everything in one place. The challenge of centralizing is becoming more and more difficult, more and more expensive. The other thing that uh, we see today, the volume of data has also really increased. So that compounds the challenge further. So that's why I was looking at what can I do such that uh, we can still do the investigation, we can still uh, triage the alerts we need to look at, uh, help analysts investigate them further without really having to centralize that data first. And uh, that's how the idea of Query AI was born. And tell me about the moment that you decided that this was a company that you were going to pursue rather than just, you know, we all have ideas. I'm sure that you've had a hundred ideas that you didn't end up pursuing. Yeah, that's a great question. So basically, I didn't want to just do something that is a small feature uh, and add on. And when I looked at this, and I actually, we talked to several uh, industry specialists, early partners, customers, just to get feedback on what is going on, we realized that this is a problem that's a very big pain point. And even though if you think of cybersecurity, you see too many companies, too many startups, I saw that there isn't really anybody actually trying to address it the way we are. And that really gave me the confidence that, okay, here is an opportunity, is a problem that is big enough, and it's really industry agnostic. Any mid and large company needs such a solution. I also saw that many times companies have been trying to build their own homegrown projects, uh, build a data lake to try to address that problem. And I've seen that some of those projects have also become too expensive or uh, stall sometimes. I'm not saying that what we are doing is going to replace all of that, but what we can do here is that come up with an easier, simpler way that really gives them the value they need in a quick way without this heavy lift. So that's how I realized that, no, you know, if we can do that, if we can make it easy, make it directly accessible from the browser and give them access to your data wherever it lives, that's something that will be valuable. So that's how I decided that you know this needs to be a company. It's not just a, a whim that I have. And in fact, on that same vein, were there or have there been any other ideas that you've had 
and then ultimately discarded and didn't pursue? Yeah. So I'll say that I've always been interested in technology and building the next layer of technology. One of the things that I was uh, around that, uh, okay, how much uh, of uh, an automated AI can you build so that, uh, you know, and then uh, show value from that. Then I realized that that itself is not a full product by itself. That is something that can be a value add, can support the product, but that itself cannot be the full product. So initially, that was the realization that we got uh, with uh, working with initial set of platforms, initial set of customers, and then how we adapted further. And uh, so that was just one of the ideas that evolved further from. There have been others uh, in past as well. <laughs> so trying things by centralizing data, putting things in a big data lake and trying to find out what user is doing what. In fact, one of my previous companies, we did that and we ran into a lot of challenges. So there was a lot of learning from past years. And then what do you do different now? If I understand correctly, Query IAI is actually your second company, right? It's my second company as lead founder and uh, fourth as early stage uh, startup. My first was Arcsite where I joined uh, when the company had just been formed. And I worked for the founders and uh, built the product, built the technology there. And so what do you do differently now You know, with all this experience? And what has been different about Query AI versus your first experience as a lead founder versus even that, you know, your first experience just in an early stage startup? Yeah. So with time, the challenges evolved. So 20 years back, for example, when I started at ArcSite, there was usually just one data center. And really centralization at that point was the need that you have to bring information together. And uh, initially, we started with, uh, you know, dumping everything into an Oracle database, all event information into an Oracle database and analyzing it further, extracting events from there, normalizing that information. And that worked really well. And that was the need. Arcsite was the leader in the sim space for a decade. And, you know, changing times, changing needs, uh, you have to always evolve. And uh, I was always looking at what's the next, like, how can we use the next, uh, like, how can we innovate for the next layer? So versus just, uh, you know, building uh, similar products over and over, let's find out how the future is going to evolve, what will be the need five years down the lane, and then uh, see whether we can build some technology that can solve that problem and uh, turn it into a solution. So that's how. So if you think about it, so that innovation happens in layers. You have to find out where things are headed and then you have to build that next layer. So my second company, Better Secure, which uh, I was the founder there, and uh, it was around uh, you know finding uh, user information, device information from uh, a centralized data lake and attributing activity to users and assigning risk scores. Uh, so the idea was that, uh, you know, you can, uh, instead of looking at individual alerts, because there could be too many alerts, you could aggregate uh, information based upon uh, users' activity and aggregate it into risk scores for users and then see whether is it that this account is compromised because of the weird behavior pattern we are seeing uh, for the activity from this account. So that was the next layer that was on top of, uh, it started, the, the original layer, if you think about it, was SIM, which was just put information together and provide a triage window. And that next layer was the user activity attribution, the risk scoring of users so that analysts can be more effective in terms of how to look for threats. So that was that second layer. 
And I think that this is what we are doing at Query AI now. This is the next evolution. This is the big change. And that has been necessitated because of this uh, rapid uh, digitization, rapid move to cloud, rapid move to SaaS applications. We still want to be able to help analysts with uh, you know, the right set of alerts that they need to investigate. And we want to empower analysts. But how can we do it in a manner that can scale to this multi-cloud, multi-SaaS apps uh, environment? Any customer, if you think about it, is using maybe 50 or so SaaS, SaaS apps. So how do you let the analysts scale and solve uh, the cybersecurity problem? So it's that approach of finding where the next set of problems are going to come. And you have to have certain belief in that and then start towards it maybe three years earlier. So that's what I've been trying to do. And then what do you see as the, the main difference in sort of mentality or even in, you know, actual like what you do every day between being a founder and being an early employee? Yeah. So I think uh, you always have to challenge yourself and you have to be willing to go back to the drawing board. You may have ideas uh, that you think are the right ideas, but you always have to test yourself. You always have to go back to the right set of design partners, customers, industry specialists, take their feedback. You can't do this alone. This is an industry where you know we need to collaborate and you need to always have the right talent to scale as well. So really it's about working uh, with the right set of team and that team could be good engineers, uh, right customers, uh, early customers who help you guide would be early investors. You have to constantly challenge yourself, constantly adapt based upon that feedback. And that feedback loop you have to create. And uh, one thing I always think about for a startup founder is that you could go and do 20 things and really be lost in doing 20 things. But you need to figure out what is the two or three thing that is important and focus on that and uh, get that done. I feel sometimes that the more important decision is what not to do versus what to do. If you were to go back to you know yourself of 20 years ago and give yourself some advice, what would it be? Wow, 20 years ago is a long time. I accidentally wandered into cybersecurity and I feel that I was lucky that I wandered into it. And I would still say that it took me some time to really fully understand the importance that this field will have, the challenges that this field will have and how quickly the field itself will grow. And it's uh, just a one-upmanship uh, with your adversaries always. Your adversaries are the hackers that uh, you are trying to protect any customer from. They are very smart. They are some of the best brains, but uh, maybe not working towards the right cause. It's a game of chess always. You have to figure out what's the next move, what's the next right move. So, you know, 20 years back, I would say that I should have thought more towards the advent of cloud, the the digitization that would take place, the, the traditional barrier of the, the way data centers and the network that was there at that point, the network is not important as important today. Things have been encrypted. People have been working from home. You know, the traditional enterprise infrastructure has completely changed, especially over the last few years. So some of that, you know, 20 years back, I could have seen that early. And maybe I should have started maybe five, six years earlier uh, than where I am today. I see that now for sure. And I saw that coming now. So I think uh, that's what <laughs> I would do. And what about in terms of building a company? What advice would you give yourself of 20, 15, 10 years ago? 
So actually 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I did not even know that uh, an engineer could actually start a company. I was very focused on developing the right product, the right solution, but I always thought that, okay, a company means that there's too much infrastructure, too much effort, too much money needed. One person cannot just do it on their own. And uh, that is really difficult to do. And being fortunate, being in the Valley, I learned, I saw how things uh, have evolved. And I learned from my journey at Arcsite also in those 12 years that I was there, joining at a very early stage, even before when there was a product and being the engineering owner of the product eventually and uh, going through the IPO process and eventual acquisition. That was a great learning experience. So I think that's where I got that training that, you know, really you can start from absolutely nothing and create an innovation. So as long as you are focused that, okay, so, so to, to me, really that mantra is innovation. So as long as, you know, that focus is there, that uh, we are always willing to challenge ourselves, always willing to innovate. I think that's what is important. And then let me ask a question that's kind of specific to the security space. I've heard from other people that there's almost this like dichotomy when it comes to security buyers. And I'm just curious if you feel like this is true or not. So on the one hand, security teams have budget and they have a lot of budget. On the other hand, security is the kind of thing that people don't spend a lot of money on until they have an incident and all of a sudden their budget is unlimited. I'm just curious if you've seen any of that dynamic at place or you know how that sort of falls into what you've been working on and any of the challenges that Query AI has. Yeah, so that dichotomy, yes, I've seen that. So I would say that a decade back, vendors had to really, they had a hard time justifying that why that budget is important. We had to come up with, you know, ROI calculators. It was really hard to come up with an ROI calculator for something like cybersecurity, which is a net cost is not going to help you generate revenues, at least directly. And uh, that challenge was always there. And if you think about like 15 years back, it was really the big organizations, the financial organizations or federal government, where these guys were the ones they had the big budgets and uh, most uh, others uh, didn't really care as much. So we had to face all those challenges. And some vendors did it by fear as well that, you know, we show that uh, how bad it can be, like how can uh, attackers get into your network and do so much harm. But yet, it was really very difficult to even prove that your technology can actually work. So sometimes vendors try to sell by fear. And for customers, it was really difficult to even validate that, okay, is this technology going to work? So that was the, the days, I would say, earlier. Now, at least what has happened is that with the attacks at a national level that have happened in past few years, at least everybody is very, very aware whether it's a small company, mid company, everybody is very, very aware of uh, cybersecurity. Everybody has a budget. So that awareness challenge has definitely been uh, solved. The challenge around what actually works, what doesn't work, it's still there somewhat. And that's why you see this, uh, that, okay, out of all the messaging that's there, it's hard to see what will work, what will not work. But at least the awareness is there, the budget is there today. What we are doing is uh, not per se around detection that, okay, we'll catch some threat that nobody else has caught before. We are rather more of an, more on the investigation side that once an event has happened, how does the analyst investigate? So that's where we are trying to help. 
and that's really easier to show value in the sense that it's the analyst workflow that uh, the task that analyst has to do manually how do we help them in that task so at least uh, what we are doing today i think that is also easier to show value out of versus uh, being some kind of uh, magic detection that very hard to prove so how did you end up creating that roi calculator so in our scenario there is certainly cost that customers have without our product that could be the infrastructure cost in terms of how they have to move data from their multiple cloud environments or across their saas apps so the data download cost the data move cost the licensing cost of the data platform that they are putting their, their data on into most times those platforms will charge you by the volume of data and as the volume of data has actually increased those costs have gotten into millions and millions and they keep on escalating every year and that creates the challenge for the ciso that how to manage and control that budget so that's one on the side of the infrastructure and uh, license there's another side of it which is that there's shortage of analysts especially senior analysts and it's getting really hard for uh, ciso's to build the team hire and retain the right people train them so there is that challenge on the personnel side as well so what we are doing actually has a way to show returns on on both these sides of you know challenges that that's that ciso's face so with our way of leaving the data at its most native location in the original location or moving it to a storage where that is more uh, cost efficient for the analyst and still being that single pane of glass to access that data wherever it lives so that saves uh, the the ciso on their infrastructure costs and their licensing costs when it comes to analyst we are an analyst assistance tool so we help increase the productivity of analyst make it possible for them to investigate at a better scale and really follow the full investigation process and we also try to bring more consistency and coverage across what a team of analysts may be doing differently like one tier one analyst versus another tier one analyst or tier three analyst everybody may have their own individual processes so how do we capture that process and bring certain level of consistency i think that's also important so those are some of the places that uh ciso's uh, feel that is easier to manage and uh, measure the return on investment and that justifies our costs our license what would you say you're struggling with most right now at at query ai one struggle that comes to mind is that we think that what we are doing is very unique very it's a new category uh, almost a new category we call it security investigations control plane so the way we are doing things most ciso's or analysts they may not have even thought that oh wow there is a this unique way there's a different way so how do we even put that messaging out being a startup and especially when you have to define and evangelize on a new category it's uh, harder to evangelize on a new category versus being like a me too player that okay if i am just replacing an existing category product so i think that evangelization making the industry aware that we are there and we are solving something in a very unique manner that evangelization is uh, one of the challenges but we are seeing great results like uh, most recently gartner looked at us and uh, they named us as a cool vendor in security operations so recognitions are like those help uh, advance our messaging and uh, we hope that 
over a period of time, the industry will know what we are doing, how unique we are, how different we are, and the value that we show. And how do CISOs generally respond when you describe what query AI is? So initially, for a few minutes, there is disbelief first, and then it sets in. Once we explain the architecture, we explain how it works. And uh, then they say, oh, wow, I, I don't know why we didn't think about it, but oh, it can be done this way. The mold that people have been in over you know, the past two decades that I have to centralize my data into a single giant data lake even before I start to look at that data for uh, cybersecurity, it's that mold is hard to break. So when we start to explain our approach and our architecture and how we are doing this, initially there's that awakening, sometimes disbelief, but when we show that and that awakening happens, then that aha moment comes. And I really love seeing that aha moment. And, uh, you know, I rarely have been in a meeting where we have talked about the product, we have showed the product, and people have not walked out amazed. That's fabulous. And do you feel like, you know, after you've talked for a while, they tend to understand what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I think we explain our architecture and uh, the way we work uh, directly from the browser going to where data lives by itself. So without actually physically moving the data, we are providing remote access to that information and in a very cost-effective, easy manner without putting much of an infrastructure at all, just directly from your browser. Once the CISO team, the architecture team, once they understand that, they review that, they get that, okay, wow, I can really, suddenly ideas start picking in their head that, uh, you know, I could uh, do a lot of things differently if I use this technology. And then what are one or two mistakes you feel like you've made, either with Query AI or before with some of your other projects, other startups? One or two mistakes. So I would say that sometimes you have to figure out that what is the pain point, the specific pain point that one particular customer would care about. So I have evolved, like there was a time that I used to be like a show up and throw up guy where when I talk to a CISO, I'll just rattle that this is what we are doing, this is why we are better, this is why we are unique, without really trying to understand or trying to identify with what is the problem that this particular customer has, and then seeing and aligning and seeing whether we can, we can actually solve that problem. So that's a mistake that I was making, and I have evolved, learned uh, from uh, more and more conversations that while it's great what we are doing, you really have to, for, for any startup, really have to understand the customer's environment, understand their pain, see what is the highest priority for them, and then see whether is that something that your solution can help with. If it does, great. If it doesn't, that's not a good fit at that point then, and you should walk away, move on from there. So that's uh, the realization I've had. And fortunately, that now that uh, we start to do that kind of discovery, like talking to customers and understanding their pain first, we realize that uh, oh, there are so many use cases that our uh, solution can solve. So we are almost like a platform at that point then, because even if a customer has a use case that is very specific to them, that can be implemented using our solution. So that's the realization I had over time that we need to be really focusing and hearing to what is the pain uh, in a customer environment. Fabulous. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything else about this journey that you think listeners would be interested in hearing? Yeah, I would say that there's an entrepreneur in all of us to some extent, right? So sometimes we act on it, sometimes we don't act on it. And there could be any N number of risks, any N number of personal reasons or uh, 
why people may attempt or may not attempt something. I actually feel that it's better to have attempted and fail versus not attempted at all. And that's because even if you attempt and you fail, the experience that it brings, the learnings it brings makes you even better. And who knows, you might be destined for something even better than that. And I would say that, okay, this is not my first startup. And I have learned, I've seen failures. I've seen in the four uh, startups that I've been part of, I've seen mistakes, learned from them. And that has made me a better person. So that's what I would say, that if you have an entrepreneur in you, the timing is good uh, in the sense that with the advent of cloud, it does not cost as much to try new things. So you should always try and then see whether you, you can create something of value. I try to help entrepreneurs, uh, especially entrepreneurs who come from an engineering background who may not have had the right help. I always like to talk to those entrepreneurs because that's how I started myself. And I feel that with the advent of cloud, it's something that the cost of trying things has come down. So it's something that I want to encourage people to do. Fabulous. And where can people connect with you or learn more? You can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I get too many messages, but if you send me a very pointed message where I'm uh, happy to respond there, you can uh, connect to me via our website as well. We have a form on the website. So especially if you are, if somebody is interested in what Query AI is doing, that would be the best way to connect uh, via, our, via our website. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Dheeraj. This was uh, super interesting. Thank you, Emily. I enjoyed talking to you and uh, thanks to all your listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cloud Native Startup. If you'd like to learn more about positioning, messaging, and go-to-market for open source and cloud native startups, head over to my blog, positioningopensource.com. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Emily O'Meer, and you can feel free to reach out on Twitter or on my website and blog with questions or comments. If you enjoyed this episode, also please share and help more people discover this podcast. Thank you, and we hope to have you next week.